Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. That's not just a little saying that we open with. Uh, we want every moment of the class to be effective and to count, which is why you started off by saying, my spirit's being fed. My faith's growing stronger. I'm developing into the overcomer that God made me to be. Get your Bible and get something to take some notes with and come on into the class with us. Let's uh, release faith and pray, asking the Lord uh, that we're able to see and hear and get this and that we get the answers that we need for right now. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us agree together, touching this, asking you for the anointing. The anointing that teaches us and reminds us and reveals to us and causes us to uh, be illuminated, enlightened, and set free. We ask, Lord, for the strength and the supply of your Spirit coming into our spirits, uh, making us strong. Fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, make, making us perfect in every good work to do your will, working in us that which is pleasing in your sight, uh, perfecting that which you have begun in us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Would you turn, please, in the great textbook to Matthew 9. We're continuing our study that we're calling Faith for Healing. Uh, faith comes by hearing. And faith for healing comes by hearing about healing. And in uh, Jesus' ministry that's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are about 20 individual cases that are, we've given some detail about. And we've begun studying these one by one, and we have looked at the healing of the leper, and then we looked at the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And now, number three, we're looking at the healing of the paralyzed man, that occurred in Jesus' ministry. In Matthew 9, if you'd look there again, let's begin in verse 1. Matthew 9 and 1 said, He, Jesus, entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins be forgiven you. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Your sins be forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. One thing you will see is that the true word of God and the true works of God are have always been violently opposed by religion. Always have been, 
and will continue to be violently opposed by religion. The biggest trouble Jesus had was with the uh, Pharisees, scribes, Sadducees, rulers of the synagogue. They were the ones eventually that worked to put him to death. It was God's plan, of course, and he yielded to it. But uh, religion is not the same thing as relationship, right? And religion, uh, oftentimes, even what people, some people call a Christian religion, can be so far from reality of a relationship in God. It can just be rules and concepts and organization. And you'll see that people get so much pride in their traditions and in their uh, set of beliefs and in their organization. And when the real Spirit of God shows up and manifests, a lot of these people have major problems with it. They did then. They still do now. We don't want to be in that dead religious group that confesses God but denies the power of God. Do we? We want to know. We don't want to uh, you know, get caught up in, in dead religion. We want a living relationship and fellowship with the living God. Hallelujah. And when the Lord shows up in, in something, says something, does something, even if it's strange to our mind, we want to know him well enough to go, that's the Lord, right? <laughs> let's, let's learn here. Let's grow. Let's develop. So it says, uh, he said, whether it is easier to say your sins be forgiven or to say rise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sickle of the palsy, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power or such authority unto men. One thing you'll see as evidence that something is God is that it glorifies God. <laughs> uh, the works of God don't glorify men or women. They don't make much of the man or the woman. If the focus is on how great the man is and how great the woman is, that's an indication it's not God. Y'all with me, class? What happened when they saw this? They glorified God. Hallelujah. They glorified God. And even, uh, even though you know, it came through Jesus, most of them did not see him as Messiah, as Son of God. They glorified God for doing it, and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. <laughs> Can you see that? To Jesus. But they're still glorifying the God who gave the authority and the God who did the work, which is how it should be, because he did do the work. Uh, look in Mark's account, Mark chapter 2, and verse 1 says, Again, he entered into Capernaum. After some days it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. We see this revealed in other scriptures. We see it revealed in the book of Acts in similar situations 
One of the reasons the scribes and Pharisees and doctors of the law uh, were adversaries to Jesus is because his crowds were way bigger than theirs. It's a fact. In the book of Acts, you'll see that, that on one, uh, one occasion, Paul and his company came and preached in the synagogue. And a lot of even the um, uh, Jewish rulers and, and, and folks, uh, priests and what have you, they were very interested. They wanted to hear this again. And, and so they said, okay, next Sabbath, uh, same place, we'll have a meeting. And, and the Bible said the next Sabbath, almost the whole town came. And when that happened, there was this flip. Then the uh, rulers of the synagogue, they started finding fault and arguing with Paul in front of the people. What? It talks about envy. And it says that it was for envy that the rulers delivered him up. Jesus is talking about envy. That's what's behind a lot of this is that, uh, you know, people, if they don't know God, and they're just preaching dead stuff, um, technicalities and dead stuff out of books that men wrote. Well, there tends not to be too much excitement, and the crowds tend to stay real small. But here comes somebody that's not speaking like the scribes, somebody that's speaking in power, and things are happening. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Man, people are hungry for that, right? So they showed up in droves, and it, 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 it threatened these other folks. They felt so threatened by it and so insecure until eventually, that's what the high priest said. He said, do you know nothing at all, you know, uh, that if we don't take care of him, uh, they're going to come take our place away. And they felt so threatened, they wanted him gone. They wanted Jesus gone. Of course, they didn't realize it, but it was the plan of God. It, he, he allowed that and used that. But anytime something challenges us, we need to check our hearts, be real honest with ourselves. Is there some envy working there? You know, if somebody believed for something bigger than we did, somebody got something nicer than us, somebody's gone further, bigger, whatever, just your natural flesh. You know, our, our mind still has some renewing uh, to occur, and, and our flesh didn't get born again. And, and your, sometimes your immediate response is, hmm, you didn't like that. <laughs> kind of, you know, because you, you don't realize it, but you had some pride that yours was the, the best, or you had gone the furthest, and now somebody just <laughs> went right by you, and uh, it's time to humble yourself. And it's time. You know, if you, if you talk bad about somebody else's increase in blessing and victory, you just judged yourself unworthy of that. If you want to come up higher, then you should rejoice with them. And if they see something that you didn't see, say, hey, help me out. Show me. What'd you do? Right? And be encouraged. So we don't want to fall into this ugly thing of envy like they did. When he preached the word to them, they brought the sick of the palsy that was born of four. When they couldn't get near to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith. Now this is a, 
uh, I believe, a very significant phrase in this healing. You'll find in every one of these healings, there's something that's emphasized, that's a standout thing. Many truths all through it, but I believe this is one of them, uh, where it says, he saw their faith, and then this phrase of which one's easier. This is some of the, the, some of the big revelation that you see here. He saw their faith, and he said to the sickle of the palsy, your sins be forgiven you. Because, see, that's, that's what uh, started that whole conversation about uh, who can forgive sins. Well, why did he say your sins are forgiven you? Why did he tell them that? The scripture tells you because he saw their faith. That's Jesus' response to their faith. Now, I'm sure they're thinking, he's thinking, you know, we, we came for healing today. He's paralyzed. We came for healing today. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you first. He told him that. And I, I believe already Jesus uh, has heard from the Father and knows that this man's going to walk out of here. He, he's already seeing that that's coming next. But why do this first? Why do this first? Numerous reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is um, you've got to remove guilt and sin consciousness to have boldness to act in faith. In a few moments, we talked about this yesterday's class. In a few moments, Jesus is going to look at him and say, get up. Get up. Take your cot. And go, to, go out of here to your house. Now what's that going to require? What kind of response is that going to require out of this man? Like, like we've already talked about. He, he, he's not going to, uh, he must not get in his head and try to think or reason about it. He must boldly, immediately respond. Can you see that? And one of the biggest enemies to boldness is condemnation. If you have a sense of guilt or shame, you will hesitate and you won't be bold to respond and, and, and reach out. In fact, sin consciousness causes you to draw back, pull back, and to fear. Whereas righteousness consciousness causes you to be bold and draw near. Can you see this, class? And how do you get righteousness consciousness? What does that mean? That you're right with God. There's nothing between you and God. You're not at odds with God. There's nothing between you and God. You're right with God. You're good with God. How could that be with all the mistakes that you've made? It'd be because your sins are forgiven you. Come on, can you see this? Your sins are forgiven you. The first thing, you know, Jesus knows that they got faith. He saw it. He heard it when they climbed up on top of the house. He heard the faith. He, he, he saw the faith when they started chipping away the clay tiles and making a giant hole. He saw the faith 
when the man's coming down, you know, in his cot, smiling, going, hey, Jesus. <laughs> he saw their faith. And so he looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven you. What did that do to him? Now we know he had sins. Or the Lord wouldn't even have said this. What man or woman has lived to adulthood and not made any mistakes? We've all sinned and come short. So what did those words do for this man? Your sins are forgiven you. Uh, go with me if you would in the scripture. Let's look at something here that happened with uh, Peter. This is over in, in Luke, I believe. Luke, the fifth chapter. We're, actually, we're going there already, so just, just turn over there. Luke 5 is actually earlier in this same chapter where this account of healing uh, is recorded. When um, Jesus, uh, Peter actually became acquainted with Jesus, uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two uh, ships, and he entered into one of the ships, verse 3, which was Simon's. This is Peter, prayed him that he would thrust out, sat down, talked to people. When he left speaking, he told Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draft or a catch. And Simon said, well, master, we toiled all night and didn't take anything. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Now, he must have been impressed by his teaching and preaching because he's a fisherman. He knows these waters. This is his business. And yet, he says, you know, we fished all night and they're just not here right now. And, but if you say so, oh, friend, this is how you get answers, right? If you'll just, because uh, so many times it, it'll just look like in the natural, there's no reason to do that or there's no reason to do it again. But when the Lord tells you, just say, okay, at your word, here we go. We'll do it. And he did. And, and when he did, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net broke. And they beckoned to their partners that were in the other ship. They came and helped them. And they filled both ships so that they began to sink. And notice what happened. Peter saw, when Peter saw it, verse 8, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draft or the catch of the fishes which they had taken. This is not reasonable, this response. In the sense that this, is, this, this may be the greatest day Peter has ever had in his life up to this point. I mean, he has met Jesus Jesus has used his boat and preached, and he has heard words, and he's heard a message, and he's heard things that has thrilled his heart and, and given him answers that he has never heard and seen. And there's something about this man that's just wonderful. And then he says, let's go fish him. Well, that's what Peter does. That's, and, and he... Thankfully, he said, okay, and he has seen, he's been fishing his whole life out here. He ain't never seen nothing like this. 
I mean, they had to call for the other boats to come and they have filled the boats to the point the boats are about to sink. They're sinking from so many fish. This is a miracle. Should he be excited? Should he want to do this again tomorrow? Is that, should he? Should he? Should he? And yet, what does he say? Oh, Lord, you need to leave me from me. You need to get away from me. Is that his, his heart's desire talking? No. Why would he say that? For I am a sinful man. See, his sin consciousness is telling him, you're not good enough to be around this, this man. His sin consciousness is telling him, you don't deserve all this catch and all this fish. You, you, you're not good enough to be in meetings like this and, and see and hear these wonderful things. You're an old rough, uh, tough, you know, cussing fisherman, whatever you are. And he made mistakes. He said so himself. He's a sinful man. He's done some things he shouldn't have done. Can you see what I mean when I say sin consciousness causes you to draw back? Is that right? And push away from you the very thing your heart desires. Oh, it's evil, isn't it? It's cruel and mean. And to push away the very thing you need the most out of fear, out of fear. But the Bible said God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. God didn't give us the spirit of fear or, or uh, being timid or, or drawing and pulling back. You know, in, in Hebrews 10, we, we saw it for week after week when we studied that Hebrews 11. The, the Lord said, if you, if you draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in you. But he went on to say, we're not of those who draw back, but those who believe. To the saving of the soul. I'm still talking about why did Jesus look at the man and tell him, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because in just a moment, it's going to take all the faith this boy's got. Is that right? <laughs> to act on what Jesus is about to tell him. And he's going to need to be bold without hesitation. Right? He's going to need to not question, is he good enough or is he worthy? Or he, no, we're not good enough within ourselves. That's why Jesus had to come and pay the price. But because he paid the price, we can be forgiven. We can be cleansed. We can receive his righteousness and be before God as though we had never sinned. And if, we have, if we're as though we had never sinned, then there's no reason why we can't have this. Oh, can you see it, class? There's no reason why we can't receive a miracle, why we can't respond and have this happen. Oh, the enemy, that's one of the big reasons why he tempts you to sin. It's not just so that he can say, ah, goody, goody, see there, got you to sin. No, he's more interested in what happens afterward too, the guilt the shame, the condemnation, because he knows condemnation is the faith killer. Condemnation is confidence killer. 
You got to get rid of the condemnation if you're going to be bold and strong in faith. Elsewise, when it comes time to act, to get your miracle, you'll start and then something will change. Oh, yeah, but I did this. Yeah, but I made this mistake. Yeah, and I didn't do what the Lord told me on this. Yeah, and yeah, and, and what will that cause you to do? Uh, I, I can't. I'm, I'm not. And I'm not, you know. You'll draw back. You'll fear. You'll do exactly what Peter did this day. Depart from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. When he should have been shouting over what a day, right? And the opportunity for more days like this. And thank God the Lord helped him to get over it because he called and be with him in the ministry and he didn't just push him away. He followed him. Hallelujah. And uh, Peter had to learn how to get over condemnation more than once. You know, uh, at the end of these gospel accounts, Peter denied the Lord. And uh, when he denied him for that third time and the rooster crowed, the Bible said Jesus turned around and looked at him. He was some distance from where he was. And Peter cried profusely. He was brokenhearted, as you might imagine. And you know, with a lot of people, that would have been the end. They would have ran away and hid, right? And didn't want anybody to see them. But that's not what happened. When Jesus rose from the dead... He appeared to him. He even talked to Peter one-on-one and said, do you love me? He said, yes. Do you feed my lamb? Do you love me? Yes, I do. Feed my sheep. And uh, Peter didn't just push Jesus away and run away. We see he was able to overcome that shame and guilt and condemnation. And on the day of Pentecost, when it came time to preach and see thousands saved, he was bold. He stood up, didn't he? He proclaimed the gospel. He preached like a house of fire, not like a man who had failed God bitterly. Right? Why? Because he believes this message he's preaching that in this name is forgiveness, is cleansing, is washing. Do you believe it? Oh, friend, there is forgiveness in Christ. There is cleansing by the blood. Everybody say it. Father, I receive, Father, I receive the, cleansing blood the cleansing blood of the Lamb, of the Lamb washing me washing from, all sin, from all sin, from all unrighteousness. From all unrighteousness. I, receive I receive complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness and, total and total cleansing. I receive, I receive the righteousness of Christ as my own. I receive the free gift from you. Thank you that you have made me clean and holy in your sight by the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. The Lord does not want you hanging your head down, living in shame because of your mistakes. He is the glory and the lifter up of our head. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you make a mistake tomorrow, don't hesitate. Admit it and then receive that forgiveness. Receive that cleansing and that condemnation will go away from you. Hallelujah. And you can be bold, even like this man, to act and receive a miracle. Praise God. And our time's up again today. Say it out loud. I 
live by faith, I walk by faith, I overcome the world by faith, I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. We'll see you next time here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.